0: Hi, everyone. Uh, Welcome to the latest podcast from Energy Intelligence. Uh, Today's discussion is titled, The End of Growth, Navigating Post-Downturn Strategic Challenges. And in this discussion, we're going to examine what the latest Energy Intelligence Top 100 rankings tell us about the future of oil industry growth as companies think about their long-term strategies. I'm Abhi Rajendran from Energy Intelligence Research Advisory Group. With me, I have Ian Nathan, uh, my colleague on the research advisory team. And so, why don't we just get right into it? So, Ian, um, why are we talking about this? What are what are some of the the main things that
1: we've taken away from these results? Well, it's interesting, Avi. You know, you know these top one hundred companies. You know, this universe um, is really representative of the entire oil industry because it represents about eighty percent of upstream production. Um, and reserves and and downstream activity. So much can be taken away from from how these companies behave. You know, what we see from these results is an industry that has clearly left the post-downturn retrenchment uh, behind, but is now grappling with the best way to chart a course forward. Now, arguably, uh, many of these challenges go back to before the downturn, when oil prices were in the $100 uh, barrel level, Uh, returns were dismal, and uh, institutional investors were losing patience with performance. But now, uh, companies really uh, have learned how to do more with less. Uh, they benefited from the run-up in oil prices uh, through uh, much of 2018, Uh, have seen free cash flow recover, and are now facing questions about uh, both how to spend it and where to spend it.
0: Great. Why don't we zero in on the you know the top ten in this you know in, in this ranking? Uh, what are we, you know, what what do we see in terms of movement from some of the key companies uh, in the industry? Um, what are you know what are what are some of the key things that you would highlight?
1: Well, you know, we'll, we look at the top ten because well, first everyone likes to know about you know the very top of any list. Uh, but the top ten oil companies, in in this regard, still a, a significant chunk of the industry. Um, and I, I wish I could tell you that there was some uh, unifying trend or movement amongst all of them. Um, you know, but but there's not really. But there's been a lot of movement. And really, the biggest, really the biggest news, and and maybe it's not news to to everybody, but the the, the most notable movement is Petroleus's one spot decline. Uh, now, this company, of course, has risen and fallen through the years, uh, plus one, minus one. Um, you know, but this time, the company's deterioration, um, again, no surprise, uh, in line with what's happening in Venezuela. Um, you know, has impacted both upstream and downstream operations, and that's now starting to come through in the ranking. Um, and this is a big deal, mostly for for oil markets. Uh, and we could probably have a, a, a really interesting discussion on on the future of Petaveza, which is is now in question. Um, but perhaps we should save that for another time. But when I look at the other uh, top ten companies and wonder, you know, it, which, if any, can still climb higher in the ranking, what I see, you know, is essentially a peak for for most of these companies, um, with maybe one exception, and that's Rosneft. Um, you know, there's always the possibility of further inorganic growth here, um, you know, upstream in Russia, outside of Russia, um, downstream expansion. Um, you know, we've seen most recently, uh, it's, its stake in the Indian, uh, SR, uh, Vadanar refinery. Um, and this is indicative of the company's growing influence and ambition. So it's entirely possible that this company could still, uh, advance higher. Um, and as far as some of the other companies are concerned, uh, you know we're likely to see uh, the super majors probably go up one, come down one, but, uh, um, but we'll talk about that in a second.
0: Uh, actually, let's continue the thread uh, on super majors. Um, what should we be expecting from this group? Um, you know, what are some of the things they have to navigate looking ahead? Um, let's dig into this group a little bit.
1: Well, and everyone's interested in the supermajors, and and for good reason. And um, in many respects, uh, they they do serve as as an important barometer for for industry activity. Um, you know, questions about supermajor growth have have long uh, shifted from the size and volume question uh, for their own sake uh, to really pursuing uh, strategic fit. Um, and As time marches on, it's increasingly difficult to see game-changing, ranking-changing and uh, as these companies continue to buy and sell assets consistent with uh, much narrower strategies. You know, it, it's worth noting that we've been following the super major size issue now and really going back uh, to um, the last wave of, of mega-mergers, which is it's been quite some time now, but we're still talking about it and with, with good reason. Um, and, and that's because you know, this growth story, uh, which shouldn't really be new to anyone in our audience at this point, is, is really shifted to one uh, of, of, of uh, more targeted and focused strategies. And if we look at some of the recent M&A, uh, the, the bigger deals, uh, you know, we'll see that this is, is very much a consistent theme. And in, in 2017 and 2018, we see, for instance, BP's acquisition of BHP's uh, U.S. shale assets, for example. Uh, we see Exxon's uh, farming in uh, to Permian assets. Um, and we also saw Exxon's uh, farming into a Mozambique Area 4, uh, all, you know, with a more narrow, or I should say narrower strategic uh, focus in mind. Um, I think more broadly, though, for supermajors, um, and you know, and, and to be to be fair, you know, I think this question goes to um, you know all all integrated companies uh, in our top 100 universe. But the key question is really now about managing free cash flow revival. Um, and the question. Again, like I mentioned before, is, is not just whether to spend it, but, but how to spend it. Um, you know, and this was a, a topic that, that came up um, at Oil & Money this past fall, um, you know, both in panel discussions and with discussions, um, individual discussions that I've had um, uh, with some of the delegates because this is this is really a, a huge concern and you know if I can just cite quickly um, you know a, a, a very recent example which is the news that Chevron uh, you know was uh, investing in um, in a charging an EV charging uh, company is indicative of, of this question because Chevron as an example uh, there, you know there have been uh, some questions about whether or not the end of its major capital project program um you know, left a hole in its its future growth uh, prospects um, as the company switched more to developing its Permian assets, and with an acquisition like this, or with, with spending like this, that raises the question about um, uh, about how how uh, its cash will be used is it going to be used to reinvest in 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 oil and gas growth Um, or is it going to be directed in in large part toward uh, to new segments Uh, like we've seen some other companies like shell and total just to name a few um, have done this um, and are doing more of this as as time goes on so I, i think that these are really important issues for for these larger integrated companies and it gets not just toward their behavior, but toward future future growth, future volumes. Um, and, and that's been an ongoing concern that um, we're looking more closely at as companies start to announce their 2019 budgets.
0: Great. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and, and obviously, the other large beast, um, especially kind of at the higher end of our, our ranking group, is the set of national oil companies. Um, and I know you kind of started to touch on a couple earlier, but, you know, what are some of the, the key movements in our rankings for the NOCs tell us? Um, what are some of the, you know, the, the key names to watch out for?
1: And, you know, the NOCs, and it, it's, it's really important to talk about these companies because, you know, our, our top 100 universe is, is really the only – the only ranking that includes uh, NOCs uh, in a way that, uh, that levels the playing field for all companies um, in, in the oil industry. And you know, typically though, they're not really the most dynamic of movers within the top 100. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're very large um, and, and they don't typically uh, change much. But in this edition, we saw some unusually dramatic movements. You know, KPC, for example, uh, suffered because of the shutdown of one of its refineries. Uh, Libyan oil recovery, on the other hand, uh, helped its NOC uh, advance some. And so you have a couple of those, uh, a couple of those exceptions. But really, the key strategic issue is, is oil prices, and you know, along with uh, something that is of ongoing importance all the time, which is really the extent to which. Um, the home countries continue to require partnerships uh, to help NOCs fulfill their responsibilities to the state Um, and what those partnerships might look like, and of course, what that will mean for IOCs in terms of uh, resource access. And I look at uh, a couple of key examples. The first one I I come to is is Pertamina, for example. which appears to be increasingly moving away from reliance on these kinds of partnerships uh, with implications for, if I can go back to Chevron, you know, Chevron is, is, is an important example um, as uh, production sharing agreements are uh, are renegotiated and revised, uh, with Pertamina seeking to really take on more responsibility um, and, and fulfill those responsibilities for the state. Um, but it's not clear. Incli- it, sorry, it's not entirely clear that Pertamina's rank will increase as it takes on more responsibility. Um, but we do see risks, you know, not just to Chevron and its output, but uh, other partners in Pertamina's oil patch. Um, QP is another one. Cutter Petroleum uh, is another example where recently we've seen. Um, uh, uh, the Al-Shaheen field uh, now taken over uh, in terms of operatorship uh, by a joint venture, which is majority owned by QP. Um, and, um, and we've also seen similar movement with, uh, with Oxy, uh, which is no longer uh, operating the uh Sharg North Dome uh, field. So now uh, you have a couple of examples of, of these NOCs um, moving to, to do more on their, on their own. Um, you know, QP of course, one of the things that is of great interest, uh, which is the opposite, which is really the extent to which um, it will be inviting companies to participate in its Northfield and LNG expansion, uh, which could be one company, it could be many companies, it could be no companies. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see in short, uh, short order. But uh, before we move on to the next few topics. I just want to make um, a quick comment on uh, Latin America's NOCs, which collectively have really not performed well in this edition. Um, uh, You know, we know the Petavesa story, um, but we also have to look at declines with uh, Pemex and Petrobras. And these are two companies that we had been... Expecting to advance considerably, uh, Petrobras probably more in the short term, and PEMEX maybe over the longer term, uh, you know, as Mexico's oil sector opened. But now we see both Mexico and Brazil have welcomed new leadership, which opens up the possibility for oil sector policy change, and with potentially important implications for its foreign partners. So um, you know, it, it's again, it's it's worth watching not just the the NOC performance but uh, the developments um, that, um, you know, that are uh, going on in the home countries, uh, you know, oil sector governance. And that's something that, you know, we cover in our CRE service, for example, um, and it's, uh, you know, it's gonna make for some very interesting reading over the next couple of months.
0: Great. Um, So we've kind of looked globally. Uh, Why don't we maybe spend the last couple of minutes of this discussion focused on North America? Um, what are some of the the key tidbits that you want to highlight? Um, you know, maybe touching on Canada first, and and then kind of you know looking at the the shale patch and how companies in that group have uh, have kind of permeated this uh, uh, this ranking of ours.
1: Well, Canada typically uh, doesn't get a lot of attention um in in our rankings and that's because it's it's been status quo for quite some time Um, but in this last edition we've seen oil sands divestitures uh two canadian companies really impact their ranking um you know synovus in particular which with its acquisition um you know has has pushed this company into the top 50 for the first time. Uh, The first time since Encana was a top 50 member, uh, you know, way back in 2009 uh, before it spun off Synovus, if uh, if you can remember uh, that far back. Um, You know, and and, and this is important because, you know, with these oil sands uh, now really being controlled by Canadian companies, there's a much higher materiality uh, for these companies. Um, And it's incumbent upon them now to find a way to grow in a, in a particularly challenging environment, um, And we've seen just this week uh, how they're going to get some help from Edmonton in the form of mandated temporary production cuts to support prices. Um, you know, I'll be just wondering if you uh, have anything to add on what's going on in Canada because I think it's a particularly timely subject and uh, something that um, that you're covering in our North America Value chain service.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's certainly a challenging environment. Um, and, you know, as, as we're kind of headed into, uh, you know, discussions around OPEC cuts and whatnot, you know, we have this comf- uh, dynamic coming from Canada, but, you know, even with these cuts in place, you know, ultimately, you know, Canada still faces a, uh, a challenging environment in terms of um, midstream and, and pipeline constraints, um, evacuating the product. Um, you know, while we think about these cuts as um, as you know, fairly large size cuts, you know, they're not necessarily going to help things from a global bal- balance perspective, right? It's, it, you know, it's sort of a, you know, a, a, an intra-North America uh, dynamic where, yes, you know, they'll be able to tighten up differentials to some degree. Um, but because of the pipeline constraint and the fact that they'll have to lean on rail and other dynamics, you know, you'll still see fairly large uh, discounts for Canadian crude. Uh, but, but interesting dynamic indeed. Um, what about the US? What, uh, what, are, what are the shale companies um, doing across our ranking universe?
1: Well, you know, we could probably spend you know, a lot more time talking about the, uh, the shale patch, but I'll just highlight a few of the key observations from, uh, from these rankings results. Um, you know, shale player advancement has really been evident for several years, and now there are 17 uh, essentially pure play shale players in the top 100. Um, and they are part of a broader group of around 25, what I like to call U.S. focused independents, um, you know, and, and that's just that's huge. Uh, and and they become an increasingly important block, um, you know. But we talk about and you know, we talk about shale in very broad terms, you know. We 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 you know, um, you know, and these results really enforce how or they reinforce how shale is really anything but monolithic and. Um, and, and they, these companies really serve as a microcosm of a broader industry dynamic uh, you have a growing number of players uh, and that means we need to really be differentiating um, many of the operational and financial strategies um, you know and taking into consideration where uh, where they're operating as, as part of this analysis and you know if we just look at, at, at some of these uh, big players uh, and big movers this time around I'll highlight um, those like Southwestern, which had one of the biggest jumps in the rankings of any company uh, in this edition, in addition to range resources and control resources um, with some of the, the larger movements. And and that's based largely on uh, their ongoing organic growth in Appalachia and in the Permian. Um, but we have to look at newcomers to the top 100 like Cimarex and Newfield Exploration, uh, which entered for the first time, well actually Newfield's a returner, uh, Uh, return entrant, Um, but they've entered the top 100 this year on their progress in the scoop and stack plays. Um, And just to put a fine point on it, um, soon after we completed the top 100 process, uh, Incana. Uh, announced its acquisition of Newfield uh, Exploration, and you know, and I think that that shows really something about where uh, where the company is positioned. Um, but it's of course a little bit too early to conclude the extent to which uh, these particular plays will drive uh, future rankings growth. Um, you know, but I'll just leave you with this, uh, and I'll be I'll let you to comment uh, to 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 wrap it up after I've just said this, and that you know, the shale players are still working to deliver better operational and financial results, which which have been mixed, and even in the higher oil price environment, um, going back just a few months, it was still a mixed bag. Um, you know, and that's you know, with physical bottlenecks and oil markets providing challenges, um, you know, we do have to look at the possibility that the forward march that has been so evident in recent years uh, may actually be slowing.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point, Ian. And and what may lead to sort of the, the next round of reshuffle in the rankings is perhaps more M and A is. As, as shale companies consolidate with each other just to build up scale, just so that, you know, they're better positioned to deal with, uh, you know, takeaway constraints, um, you know, sourcing oil field services, things like that. But, but it'll be certainly an interesting dynamic to watch in, uh, in next, year, next year's edition and, and beyond. Um, with that, I think that's about as much time as we've got for this discussion. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, if you have any follow-up questions or would like to dig into uh, you know, our services or our offerings, uh, please visit energyintel.com. Thanks very much.